continuing our series Overwatch, looking at a very specific threat today that we must be careful to assess and eliminate. Let's talk for just a moment about this whole idea of Overwatch, where that comes from. I know there's a video game out today called Overwatch, but that's not one I've played, so I don't know anything about it. So I just know it's out there. Uh, the military uses this as a word or a term to signify the, the surveillance work that's done. And it's done through drones. It's done through high-level um, aircraft that fly even as high as 70,000 feet. They do it through satellite work. They sometimes do it through strategic placement of personnel in locations to keep an overwatch on an area. They're watching for maneuvers. They're watching for personnel movement. They're watching for resource movement to see what potential threats exist. Because if you can have eyes and ears on the battlefield or a potential battlefield, then you can know how you are to respond. And you can even be preemptive if necessary. You get the advance notice on what's happening on the battlefield, and you can be protection for your people. So this becomes very essential if the enemy is moving. This becomes very essential if you're about to make a movement because then you can provide the intel that's necessary for the ground troops to do their work. And often the ground personnel don't even know that Overwatch is in place. They can't see it because they're out of sight. But they know it because they're getting the intel, and it helps them be able to make the maneuvers that they need to make. They can do their work in peace. They can do their work with confidence. They can do their work knowing we know the information that's necessary. So that's critical in the battlefield, but it's also critical when it comes to our spiritual lives and our family and our relationships because God calls fathers, husbands, men, leaders to be spiritual overwatch, to do much of the same work to stand in their position and who they are in Christ. This puts you at a high-level position. It doesn't put you in, a, in an authority position different than other people that makes you lord over them, but it puts you in a place where you can have spiritual insight because of where you stand in Christ. And we've been called to stand in Christ as those who have been forgiven, those who have been redeemed, those who have been made blameless, it says in the book of Colossians, those who are seated with Christ that puts you at a high-level position. That puts you at a place to be able to see spiritually. And God has given us weapons to use. He's given us ways to pray, to pull down strongholds, to cast down arguments, to take thoughts captive, and to speak truth and hope and encouragement to the people in our life. This is all necessary if we're going to be in that position of spiritual overwatch. We have to be in the position where we can assess the threat we can't get caught up in the mire of, the, of what the world is offering or you'll lose your perspective. You can't get caught up in the sins of the world or you'll lose your high altitude position of who you are in Christ and you won't be able to see from God's perspective. You will, you will be rendered useless in the fight. You'll be like a military unit without any intel coming in and your family will be exposed, your wife, your kids, your friends, they'll all be spiritually exposed because you're not doing your work and being overwatched over them. So it's important for us as men to be assessing the threat. Man, there's a lot of threats out there. You just, just turn on the TV, you turn on some media, you click on the internet, there's messages coming in from the world. If you're going to watch a movie, if you listen to a podcast, if you listen to music, if you talk to anybody, 
you're going to find the messages of the world infiltrating the conversation at some point. And you have to be a man who can assess the threat, who can assess and know, all right, that message, that thought, that is not consistent with God's word. You've got to be able to do, discern the terms that are even used today. There's a lot of terms that um, are being used today. We've talked about some of them at Vertical, this idea of uh, social justice. Uh, all of those terms that go with that, a lot of the terms are being used in politics today. You've got to be able to know what those terms mean and assess what they mean so that you don't fall for the message of those terms. If you're not equipped, if you're not well-versed in those, you'll find yourself falling prey to the threat that's in front of you. So it's important that we understand the movements and messages that are happening in our world today and know the difference between them and the message of God's word, to know how to answer all the issues about gender and gender dysphoria, to know how to answer all the questions about uh, what is being proposed, at least, you know, for what marriage is, what marriage is not. All of those things we have to be aware of and know how to answer those, even biblically. We've got to be able to know the difference between feelings and faith. And we live in a world today that pitches this idea that truth is whatever you believe truth to be. And if you feel something to be true, then the world says, that's truth. That's your truth, they would say. But that does not work realize that. I mean, truth is objective. Truth is black and white. Truth is fixed. And you can't have your version of truth and me have my version of truth and someone else have their version of truth because that eliminates the very idea of what truth is. If truth is that subjective, then there is no such thing as truth. Right? Yeah. So we have to be able to assess all of that, understand all of that, and know the difference between what they say is truth and what the Bible says is truth, the difference between feelings and faith, the difference between truth, what others claim to be truth, and the, the spiritual threats that are in front of us today. Now, the Bible talks about our role in this. Down at the bottom of the page, there are several verses that call us to be in this overwatch position and know what the threat is. That's important to remember. Your wife is not the threat. Your children are not the threat. The people around you are not the threat. The enemy is the threat. And he is speaking. He has messages. He has influence. And there may be some around us who've been deceived by his messages, but the people are not the threat. So look at these verses here. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. There's your word that really best sums up this idea of overwatch. This is being in the position to see and being on alert at all times, your head on a swivel, your attention fixed. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 1 Thessalonians 5, you, all, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. It means stay alert, stay on guard, stay awake, stay alert. Don't, be, don't let anything dis, distract you. Don't let anything take your attention away. 
Proverbs 4, 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Those all call us to this place of being upright, standing in the battle, ready to fight, and in overwatch position. This is our calling. Now, let's move on to a very specific threat. We're going to get pretty narrow here this morning on a specific threat. Sometimes in an overwatch position, you're just assessing threat. You're just watching. You're just keeping track of movements. Sometimes then, overwatch may be given permission to fire on a threat. This one today, from a spiritual standpoint, this is one of those that you don't just assess and watch. This one, you must assess and eliminate immediately. This is not one you hesitate on. This is not one you bargain with. This is not one you you let simmer for a while. You must eliminate this threat first and immediately or you will not be able to move on in your faith. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10 as we have looked at. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Our warfare is to recognize threats that can affect our heart, our mind, and to recognize them and pull them down, cast them down, and take every thought captive. Here is the threat that I'm suggesting we must eliminate, and here it is. At the core of who I am, I am evil, wicked, and a sinner. Now, you probably recognize right away that, well, wait a minute, that kind of sounds right, though. You're right. It does kind of sound right. This is a favorite tactic of the enemy, to take a partial truth and mix it with a partial lie. So, at the core of who I am, I am evil, wicked, and a sinner. This is who you were before you came to Christ, but the day you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you were transformed. You were redeemed. You became a new man in Christ. You are not at your core evil, wicked, and a sinner. You are not. You are redeemed. You are a man of faith. This is why the Bible says you have been seated with him in heavenly places. This is why you have been called blameless. This is why you've been called holy, because you're a new man. Not because you attained those positions or those titles, but because you were given that by grace through faith. So this is who you are. You must annihilate this lie when it comes knocking. And it will, and it does. Let me talk to you for just a minute about how this thing shows up in our life because the enemy loves to use this. This one deception here keeps men in a place of spiritual infancy. It keeps them as spiritual babies, never growing up, never able to war, never able to stand confident, never able to do battle. Here's what it causes a man to do. It causes him to be negatively introspective all the time. Now, there's a certain level of in faith where we are uh, checking our thoughts, having our minds renewed, 
uh, taking every thought captive, but negative introspection that causes me to dig deeper and deeper into my mind and my thoughts and always coming up at the end of the story with, well, I'm just rotten. I'm just terrible. I'm just a sinner. I'm just evil. I'm just cruel. I'm just whatever. This is a pathway that the enemy wants to take you down. He wants to take you down that path so that you're always having to second guess yourself. You're always second guessing every decision, every thought, and at the end of the day, you come up with a line that says, well, I guess I'm just evil. I guess I'm just a sinner at heart. No, you're not. You may have sin that you wrestle with, and you do, and I do, but that is not who I am. I am a new man in Christ who sometimes sins. That's a very different story than I'm a sinner who sometimes does some godly things. Those are two very, very different things. And what you conclude about who you are will end up being what you do. This will cause a man to be unable to ever overcome temptation and sin. If at the end of the day you always tell yourself, well, I'm just a sinner, you're going to lose every time. You'll never be able to stand bold, courageous, and in an overwatch position. You'll, you will convince yourself, you will tell yourself you're a sinner, and that's, that's what you'll attain to. And then you'll regularly punish yourself. If, you, if you're convincing yourself and telling yourself that you are still a sinner, still evil, still wicked, then you'll end up trying to punish yourself for being that kind of man. And then you'll lack any kind of confidence in your faith. This will keep you stuck. This will keep you weak. This will keep you withdrawn. And the enemy will use this against you. Well, see, you just don't know anything about the Bible. See, you just don't have any kind of knowledge. See, you don't have any business talking about this stuff. See, you don't have any business trying to stand up for your faith. And, and he, just, he just keeps drilling you. And most men buy all of that because they believe that lie. Well, you're right. I'm just evil, wicked, and a sinner. So, any other things you'd add to what this causes in your heart if you keep buying this story? Anybody? It is. <clears throat> it is. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's just who I am. That's the storyline. You will sin, but we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who has paid for our sin. We have been made new people. Do not conclude at the end of the day, well, that's just who I am, a sinner. No, that's not just who you are anymore. You have been raised with Christ. You're a new man in Christ. That's not just who you are. That's the very reason that gives you your motivation to not sin. All right, talk to me. Yep. And then I know really the truth, and then I'm so far, you're so far away from it that it's just like even you start self-medicating, you start getting angry, and yep. it's just a spiral, it's a snowball effect. It's true. It's a, it's, a, it's a downward spiral. Anybody else? What else does this do to your heart if you buy this story? Yes. 
Because it'll keep you from the Bible. It'll keep you from praying. It'll keep you from hanging out with other people, with other Christian men. It'll keep you from talking about your faith. It'll keep you from church. It'll keep you from being engaged in worship. It'll keep you from surrendering. It, and the enemy loves this tactic. Yeah. Yeah. And um, people assume that that is just my nature, even. They assume that at the core of who they are, their nature is sinner. It's not true. You have been redeemed. You've been born again. That nature has been redeemed and changed. This is your, now your new nature. That nature might sin from time to time, but you are not at your nature, at your core, a wicked, evil sinner a big truth to take in and the enemy will fight you for it okay anybody else what does this what does this do to you if you if you buy the storyline okay <laughs> yes yes yeah I like it I like it there you go there you go. There's some, there's some Southern humor that, and, and theology right there. It works. It's good. <laughs> That's right. That's it. It's good. All right. So this also begins to affect even your relationships because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You will do what you believe. And here's some ways it plays out in relationships. You start negatively assessing your wife and children's motives. If you're always negatively assessing your motives and always assuming you at the core are wicked and evil, and well, I have to always watch myself. Well, I have to always check myself. Well, I guess that's just selfish of me. I guess I'm just really wicked at heart. No, if that's what you think about you, I already know what's happening in your relationship. You're doing the exact same thing to them. And the minute she says one thing, your mind automatically goes to negative assumptions about her motives. You're already going in that path. You do that about her. You do that about your kids. You do that about people around you. If you're negatively introspective about yourself, you will be negatively introspective about other people. You will drill down into their thoughts, and you'll assume everything about them is negative, right? You'll be critical. You'll assume that the core of every person's actions has an evil intention behind it. Oh, they just want to hurt me. Oh, they just doing this for themselves. Or they, and they may be, but if that's your assumption about everybody in your life, you're going to be frustrated, they're going to be frustrated, and there won't be any harmony in your relationships. You'll be critical toward other people. You'll be angry, bitter, resentful, and you'll rarely, if ever, trust anyone because you will have concluded that the heart of every person is evil. Now, those that are not in Christ, their heart is evil. It is, it is a sinner. It is selfish. But because of grace, I can even have mercy toward them, and I can love them in the midst of all this. All right, so I'd just love to hear some thoughts before we turn the corner here. Uh, are we wrestling with this today? Is this hard to take in? Is this? Tell me, tell me something. Yeah. 
Yes. Yep. Yep. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And you really, you can't be in a place to ever be kind to those people. If you assume negatively about them, then really you're, you're usually more set on trying to, um, you know, point out their flaws or show them where they're wrong or uh, correct them, punish them for who they are as a person. So, other thoughts? You're right. You're right. Yes. It's true. Yeah, you're right. Yep. You're right. Yeah. And again, we have to come to the place we recognize I am at my nature a sinner and wicked and I need to be born again. I must be born again. You have to come to that place. But once you've come to that place in Jesus Christ, don't keep saying this about who you are. The Bible does not affirm that. The Bible affirms that you've been raised with Christ. Therefore, seek those things which are above. Because of who you are, change your path and that you walk, right? So here are the truths, just three verses. The New Testament is full of so many more, but here are three. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new man in Christ. Ephesians 4, 24 refers to the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. This is now who you are. You have been made righteous and holy. Hebrews 10.10, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I know one of the popular go-tos in Scripture, I didn't list this one this morning, one of the popular go-tos for men is Romans 7. And in Romans 7, is at the, at the end of that chapter is where it says, the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I, don't want, or I do want to do, I don't do. You're familiar with what I'm talking about here. That often gets read and quoted as an excuse for, well, I might as well just go ahead and do what I want because I don't, I don't do what I want to do, and I end up doing what I don't want to do. All, all that stuff's like, well, that's just my lot. <laughs> For sure, you can get confused. <laughs> but if you read it for what it is, Paul's whole argument there is, look, if I am doing some things that I really don't want to do, then the core of who I am has been changed. I want to do right. I sometimes do some things I don't want to do but that's not who I am. 
I might do some things that are wrong, but that's not who I am. So understanding Romans 7 will help. But these verses give you all the ammunition you need to fight off the enemy when he says to you, oh, I see you in church on Sunday morning wanting to raise your hand. Who do you think you are raising your hand? You don't have any business raising your hand in worship. You don't have any business singing. You don't have any business even going to church. You're just a sinner. It causes you to second-guess every thought you ever had. Anytime you want to do something good for someone, the enemy comes along and says, come on now, really? What are you thinking? You're really just doing that for your own selfish purposes, aren't you? You're really just doing this to try to make a name for yourself, aren't you? Oh, you're just trying to show off. That's what you're trying to do. That's the enemy who's telling you that the base of who you are, you're still corrupt, you're still selfish, you're still mean, you're still wicked. No, I might do some of those things from time to time, and I might need to evaluate my motives, but that's not who I am. I will not give in to that. Instead, I'm going to listen to the core of who I am that actually wants to pursue God. I'm going to listen to the spirit within me that is at the core of who I am, that wants to worship God, that wants to obey, that wants to read the Bible, that wants to be with other men, that wants to live out my faith, that wants to lift him up. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to that spirit within me, and I'm not going to let the enemy stop me from that. That's why this threat must be assessed and it must be eliminated. This is not one you toy with. This is not one you debate with. This is not one you give any level of credence to. You shut him down immediately, and you use verses like these here at the bottom. You pull down these strongholds. And like we've talked about, you might have been in some church environments where this was even taught to you, where this is what you were supposed to do, to just live in this continual, dark, introspective place where you could never put your head on your pillow at night even knowing if you were saved to begin with. And you lead yourself into, or the enemy leads you into dark, dark territory because of that. No, solidify your salvation. Know who you are in Christ. Stand strong in him. Shut down those thoughts and your life will be changed. You have to pull down those strongholds. You have to cast down these arguments. You have to take every thought captive that wants to pull you back into these. You're going to get to hear the story this Sunday of a young man who's going to be baptized. I can't wait for you to hear it. You're going to hear the one in two weeks, another young man who's in this room. That's going to be baptized in two weeks. So you're going to get to hear that story as well. Two powerful stories coming up, young men, of how God has worked in their life in some of this very area, changing them radically. And so I'm excited for that. I just think the potential of of a large group of men who come to a place where they stand in confidence of who they are in Christ, and they say, no more, enemy. I will not fall for this threat any longer. I will not assume that at my core I am still a sinner. I will stand in the truth that I am a new creation in Christ. I am not who I was. David? Yeah. Yep. Wow. 
is sad. And that, that'll produce some uh, fervor in people. It'll, it'll give them some energy, but it's, um, it's stunted energy, and it'll wear you out kind of energy. Because at the end of the day, you'll still be wondering. Yes. No, I, I hear you, because I've, I've walked in some of that, too, where, yes, if this is the enemy saying this, I could quickly say no. But if I have been taught or if I have thought that this is actually God's voice to me, yeah. then I have to cower to it every time or bow to it. And you feel like you are praising God because you did that. Because yeah. Because you can yeah. say, what was that phrase you used? Yeah. You feel like that's an element of worship to God. Yes. Yeah, I, I've been in some prayer times with other men where the, the feel more was, let's see how deeply we can mm, call to all of our sins to remembrance and put ourselves, it just sounds weird me saying all this, put ourselves in this debased, horrible, you know, condemned uh, situation of how rotten we are. And, you know, it, it kind of almost feels spiritual in a sense. There's something about that that sounds right. But if you got down to that spot and you didn't recognize what Christ has done for you to bring you up out of that spot, you're just laying in a pit of mud and you're just wallowing in it. And then everything you do from that becomes works. I'm trying to earn my way out of the pit in some way. That's right. Go. Um, <laughs> that then you look back at that being your like your uh, your kind of tower or your cross that you built of being yeah. like, oh, but I did all of these things because I'm a crappy person. Yeah. Because I admitted that in front of another one. Yeah. That's why I'm doing it. Because and it's a, it's a double defining yourself. Because you define yourself in that moment whenever you pray like that. Yep. Or when you're with other believers. But then you did all of these things, pointing back to your crappy moment instead of pointing back to like. Yeah, yeah, that's very real because you, the, the perception sometimes is that's the more spiritual talk. Exactly. The more you can beat yourself up, the more spiritual you are. Okay. But it, yes. 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 It's true. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's true. It, it works. You, you guilt them into those places instead of freeing them. But again, Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. I've come to give sight to the blind. All right, Mr. Seif. Yes. 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 Exactly. It has. And it takes on different faces in each generation, and it looks and sounds a little differently. But it's important every generation recognize it. And so we... Yes. Yes. That's right. Yeah. And it's such a... Uh, almost... It's a very psychological thing that Paul's doing, but it's so true. He said, if I do the thing I don't want to do... You got to stop and really assess that for just a moment. If I'm doing something that I don't want to do, then what is the condition of the I? The I doesn't want to do it, but I do it sometimes. Paul was saying, I am a new man. I sometimes do things I don't want to do, but that's not who I am. I end up doing what I don't want to do, but I don't want to do it. Yeah. Yes. Right. Exactly. Good. Jim?
Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That works. Yep. Yep. Uh, that, again, the enemy loves that moment right there because he's brought you right back to a place where you've just forgotten who you are in Christ. So when you and I understand this as men and we eliminate this threat, it'll then put you in a position to be able to help your wife, your children, and other men to be able to free from that, be free from that very same lie. But it means first, I have to assess this threat, and I have to eliminate it, and I have to understand who I am in Christ and stand strong in that. It's a good word for us today. It's relevant to us. So uh, there's some table discussion questions there at the bottom. Uh, talk through those and have someone pray at the end.